welcome to FitStory TV, the only platform that is focused on storytelling for fitness experts. Our mission with this podcast is to empower you to harness your vulnerability and lead with your story. If this is your first time listening, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss out when we drop more fire. The next guest we have on FitStory TV is Cameron Elliott. He is the founder and co-owner of MBT Retreats and Physique Transformations. Now, it's fair to say that unlike most of our guests that come on, who have been through some really tough times and are out the other side, Cam recently opened up and admitted that he is not okay. In 2019, while building a super successful gym, his world began to fall apart due to mental health issues. Recently, he has been featured on multiple radio stations and has had articles written about what he has suffered and continues to suffer in aim of helping others find courage to speak up about what they're going through. In this episode, he talks about love, loss and severe drug abuse during the worst year of his life. And we're just so grateful to have had this conversation with him, knowing that he is on his way back to the top with a huge vision for 2020. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, 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 yo. What is going on? We have an epic guest lined up for today's podcast. But before we get going on that, I am here with my co-host, Perry Power, the man of the hour. What's going on, bro? Bro, I'm doing really well. Um, for everybody listening to this episode, it will be at some point into 2020. You'll be listening to this and you've already gone into... The year of 2020, but now recording this, tomorrow is 2020, and I'm fucking like, what's going on? I mm. think it's bloody mind-blowing. I've actually got a question for both of you guys, because you both got kids. When do you put your Christmas tree away? It's <laughs> a good question. I'll let Cam rock on that one. The second. The, the second. Day off. Yeah, it's got to be there for New Year's Eve. That still feels magical going into New Year, but the second, it's got to fucking go away. It's enough of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have to agree. I don't take care of that. My missus does it now. She just kind of... Like, <laughs> like everything else, like, right? One minute, the tree's there, and then the next minute, the tree's not there, and I'm like, oh, okay, the, tree, the tree's now gone. <laughs> I mean, if I, did, if I did my way, it'd be down on Boxing Day, man. <laughs> Christmas is done on Boxing Day. See you later. Yeah. The time is over. No, that's <laughs> it, that's it, man. Um, so other than that, Perry Powell, you had a good Christmas. Had a great Christmas. Spent it with, uh, with the family. Spent it with the dog. Um, and because I don't spend every year with my biological mum, right? I usually either spend it with myself or I'll go and spend it with um, with my stepmom or when my dad was around with him as well. So this Christmas, I actually went and spent it with my biological mum, which I haven't done in a few years. So that was quite interesting to do. Um, mm. Good memories. It's nice. Wow, man. And what about you, Cam? How was your Christmas, bro? It was a bit of a different Christmas, to be honest. Um, spent it with the kids, which, you know, that's the most important thing for me. The only thing that matters, especially after the year I've had. Um, but I kind of parted ways with my mum earlier in the year. My brother was the same kind of reason. So my dad was away. My stepmom, my sister now lives in Australia. She moved there this year. Wow. So apart from my kids, there was no family there. Um, but yeah, it just kind of made me realize who, you know, who matters most in my life and who's been there this year through the tough times mm. and who deserves to be there. Mm. Uh, Man, it, I know you're very family driven as well, dude. You can yeah. see it, it radiates from you, man. So people that are listening to this podcast, some people may know you, some people may not know you. Um, I'll just do you a quick intro and then we'll kind of like roll off the top. But 
Cam, I mean, we've been connected like all, probably coming up to two years now on Facebook, on social media, probably 18 months plus. Um, and I've kind of watched your journey. I've watched kind of what you've been doing, what you've built. And to kind of summarize it for people that would be listening, Cam is what I would re refer to as a seasoned entrepreneur. He's built multiple businesses and he's made some fucking waves in this industry and continues to do that. So you're the co-owner but the founder at MBT Retreats, right? Which I'm sure yeah. that you can kind of dive into and tell us about, but I assume that's some sort of epic retreat. Yeah, <laughs> it's my so assumption the, of it by the title. <laughs> so the retreats, Kate, it was kind of weird how it started, to be honest. We had, um, we had a client who was a yoga teacher and she used to take people out uh, once a year to Bali and kind of put on these yoga retreats. And she was like, why don't we do like a co-retreat, you do the fitness, I do the yoga and just spice it up a bit. We're like, yeah, like I've never been to Bali. I'd never, at this point, I'd never traveled further than two hours away from home. Mm. Um, and this was at the age of like 20. Like I spent, you know, my younger years just grafting it out. Bit of a rough patch in London. I never traveled further mm. than like Spain or something, man. I think it was Tenerife with the lads when we were 17. Classic <laughs> holiday. The 10 Good days with no sleep. <laughs> that was the first I traveled. So when she said Bali, I was like, that's like 17 hours away. Let's do it. Um, so did that, came home from it, and then realized like when we had had the contacts and we had built out the itinerary, it was just easy to kind of do again mm. without her and without doing the yoga and you know, still having the yoga in the, the mindset side to the retreat and the experience, but getting other experts in and just kind of paying them an hourly rate to come in and, and do that side of it. And then makes, we just take the trip. Yeah, uh, makes sense, man. Yeah, it was insane. So we've done, we've done five of them now. We've done four in Bali and then we did one in Croatia. So we did one in Europe, but that was a terrible mistake that we'll probably come on to in a bit. Yeah. Uh, I'll never do a retreat in Europe again. Um, it's just not the same. It was an absolute bull lake. We ended up getting a loan out there because we fucked up that much. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was terrible. But oh my, mate, you've got <laughs> stories upon stories upon stories, man. I can't mental. wait for that. It was mental, yeah. So, yeah, so the Bali, how we kind of structure that is we do daily training with them. So we actually hire a CrossFit gym out there now um, each day, which usually tends to be like a 15-minute coach drive from where the villa is take them there state-of-the-art equipment huge training facility if any of you have been to bali and been to the crossfit wanderlust it's insane it's like i think they've got like twelve thousand square foot now it's huge wow biggest crossfit facility you ever go in um dave driscoll runs it he's like um, a famous model and he was i'm not into it but he was the ambassador for bulletproof coffee when it started oh yeah and yeah. he's big in the CrossFit world. He's got like a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. He's a really cool dude, really down to earth. Um, so we became friends. He was like, yeah, just hire my, you know, you just hire the gym and you come over and just charge us an hour. So we've got that for the training. Then we get yoga teachers in and then we bring other experts in as well, like chakra healers. So we mm. met the chakra healer when we we're out there. She's lived in Bali for like eight years. I think she's actually from um, Finland or somewhere. And she went there, she met a guy, fell in love he goes out um he actually goes out you know dan is it dan the guy that does like the bazooka shooting on the back of the boats and that yeah dan, dan blazerian that's the so he, does, dan blazerian. He, does, he does his filming wow um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, dope. Actually, that's her husband he kind of does underwater stuff um with 
manta rays and stuff and she swims at them she's like she does this mermaid side to things as well she's really spiritual like you look in this in this girl eyes and you're like fucking hell you actually <laughs> i had goosebumps just when i met her it was crazy like glowing blue eyes um so yeah we get her in and we get other experts in as well like yoga teachers etc mm. um they come out on like bike rides through the villages go into the local schools so but there's a real good balance of the physical side like they lose weight they lose fat in the the week that they're with us but the changes you know more importantly the changes and the shifts that we see in in their mental space by mm. from when they get up they're kind of got anxiety they're really stressed out all the traveling you know the traveling like for me i'm kind of an easy traveler i don't get plane sick i'm cool but like when they turn up to the villa like they're so stressed out mm. and like within 24 hours seeing a difference in them in their in their headspace just doing that yoga session doing the training being around people um that are there for the same reason like they mm. want to make these shifts in their life they want to go what would be, i've just had an idea man what would be pretty dope is if you documented that if you picked out a couple of people to really like deeply immersively document just that first 24 hours that would be fucking levels man yeah, yeah oh. so we've done five of them um They've kind of been on the back burner since we opened up the gym. Like we opened up the gym this year. Um, but ideally going into next year, we want to do at least two in 2020. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's the only place other than when I'm with my kids where I feel at peace. You're going to stick to Bali? You're going to stay? Yeah, I love love Bali. I've been to Thailand um, with my ex. That was our first holiday together. But Bali is a lot more relaxed. Um, Mm. And yeah, now that we've got the itinerary like nailed, we'll stick Mm. to Bali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that Bali's got to be on the on the field trip for uh, for the Fit Story Company this it year. It has definitely, and San Diego. We are doing something in August in San Diego, so we're super excited about that. But um, retreat, bro. Sorry, yeah, Fit Story retreat. Bro, it's in the works, man. It's in the <laughs> yeah. works. So you also run a successful online business, right? You, 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 and I love the name of this. It's the Bikini Bod Project. So I assume then that you work with all women. And I'm sure that you're going to kind of dive into how you help them and stuff as we go through this episode. But this year was big for you in, in, in business. And I know uh, in, in personal, we'll get into that. But in business, this is a big year for you, man. You've opened up what possibly is one of the dopest looking gyms I've fucking yeah. ever seen. I've, I watched the whole launch of the gym. This is the gym now. So. It's so sick, man. I mean, sick. look at that. That is sexy. For any of you that can't see that, because obviously this is a podcast, you, when you go connect with Cam afterwards, and, and uh, you'll you'll be able to get a look in it. It's a it's a phenomenal facility. So I kind of like watched all of that launch, and I really do love it, man. But um, I'm really stoked to get this one going, bro. I know that you have a powerful story. I know that this is a story that's going to help other people and certainly change the narrative for other people. And I know that you're still going through some of the things that you've been talking about on social media recently. But that's what's going to make this super powerful because. You know, it's kind of like when when people and we'll kind of get into the mental health side of things. But normally when people have severe mental health issues, they everything in their life falls apart. It isn't like the one thing or two things. It's like a, a lot of their life falls apart, whereas you've sustained and grown businesses um, as well as kind of battling with some internal demons, man. So I think that that's why this, again, this episode is going to be so powerful because I want to get an insight into how your mind works and, and what the story is that you're telling yourself today, man, to continue to do what you do at the level that you do. So dude, 
are you ready to share your fit story? Let's get this done. Let's do it. Epic, man. So I read the post and I, I just mentioned it a second ago. I read a, a recent Facebook post and um, honestly, there's two things. And I said this earlier. One, you're a really talented storyteller, mate. I don't know if you know that, but you're really a super fucking talented storyteller. And two, I can actually relate. Um, there's parts of the post that I read. Um, one piece specific about losing your, your partner. One yeah. woman of your dreams, you referred to it as. And and that's because you kind of like prioritize business over her. And bro, I felt that man, because that is exactly the same scenario as what happened to me and my partner. I just completely wasn't given her time, wasn't given her attention. Um, obviously, I told myself in my head that, I, you know, it's okay. It's temporary. I'm just growing the business now. It's not going to be like this forever. But it ended up um, that our relationship ended up breaking down, you know, so like, I, I really genuinely felt that shit, dude. So I'm sure we're going to get into all that stuff. But this is my favorite part of the motherfucking show, because this is the piece where we kind of discover your the, the backstory of our guests. So what I want to know, bro, is before you came to start dominating a business and, and, and becoming a sick coach and doing these retreats before all of that stuff, what was life like for Cam growing up? Like, where did you grow up? What was it like for you, man? Let's dive into that. Fucking hell. Um, so, <laughs> That's the response we get a lot. Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> um, so I think, well, kind of how I got into the industry and fitness and yeah, it all came from feeling inferior, like growing up. Um, my stepdad never abused us physically, but he smashed the gaff up every day. Like I come home, like the door would be smashed in, like the fucking coffee table would be across the, the room, the windows would be smashed. Been times where, you know, I felt really scared and I think he grabbed me once. Um, but yeah, it was fucking horrible. Um, he just, he, he had quite a troubled childhood. His dad was never there for him. Um, he was always down the pub drinking and he never had that father figure. Um, so that obviously carried, carried with him. He got into like door work security and he always kind of had that anger. Um, so yeah, growing up, like I was around that, that was every day, like something would, they would, they would argue every day. They broke up, I think like eight times and they're still together now and they're the best they've ever been, my mom and my stepdad, but that was kind of at home. And then at school, I was kind of always the skinniest kid, like growing up in primary school and the start of secondary. Um, so always felt weak got bullied, got thrown around, got kicked around the playground. Like that was it. That was, that was school for me really. Um, until I got into boxing at the age of 14 and yeah, that gave me that discipline, um, gave me that feeling of feeling superior instead of inferior. And yeah, I kind of channeled everything into it. Did well, had three fights, uh, one out of two, two out of three, lost the away one. And I kind of felt like I could do it. Um, and it was the first time in my life that I'd felt like that. I could achieve something. Um, and that kind of came through with education and school. I then went into PT and I had work experience at a gym when I was in college. And at the age of 17, they wanted me to quit college and work in sales because they thought I just naturally had that sales um, kind of mannerism to me. It was easy to kind of talk to people and get them in the gym, show them around and make them feel at home. And then went into do my PT course when I was 17, the same time. Um, and then, yeah, I had a bit of problem with drugs, got, got addicted to steroids when I came out of boxing. The reason I stopped boxing was because I had a heart murmur just out of the blue. I had this heart murmur at the age of 15. 
failed my medical for my last fight. And then, yeah, I came out of boxing, couldn't box for six months. Had like that 24-hour ECG that you sleep with. Mm-hmm. They're like, people, this doesn't happen to people until they're like 70, 80. And it was like really unusual for me to have it. And it just came out of the blue. Like it wasn't from anything. I wasn't on, on steroids before this happened. Wow. It was after that that I lost that vision, that focus. Um, then I was in the gym, surrounded by these meatheads, made friends probably with the wrong people at the time. Um, got onto steroids at the age of 16. And then, yeah, it was like Coke, um, pills, like every weekend it was bad. Mm. Say every weekend, it was probably like three, four times a week. Bro, do you know what, man? Our, our stories are fucking so similar. <laughs> um, obviously, you know my story. You've, you've probably read a lot of my posts about it. But just kind of like unpacking some of what you've said already. Growing up, like that, I, I relate because a lot of what I saw was just violence and it became normalized, you know, and that was between my family. Like my family was super dysfunctional, always fucking arguing, always being negative. Could literally, until my daughter was born, I'd never looked at Christmas the same way I do now because yeah. Christmases and birthdays, any event in the family when I was younger or growing up was negative, toxic, violent. So there was, I just associated those events with kind of like, well, Christmas is around the corner, which means my mum's going to turn into a fucking mentalist and start kicking <laughs> people out of the house. Like it became so normal for me to live around that and seeing things like, you know, my, my brother used to hit me and my sister and, um, this is the one who's not in prison. So the one who's not currently serving time. And uh, I remember having to see, like witnessing my, my sister throw boiling hot water from a kettle over his head to stop him from punching her. When I was like fucking nine years old, eight years old. So bro, I like relate heavily to some of your backstory because these are things that I experienced as well. And, and I know now, obviously I, I you know, grown up and, and I've, I understand why there was those, like you mentioned, you know, you, you understand as you get older, why people act in that way. You know, I know now that it's because, you know, my brother and sister were both abused, you know, and I know that they both had, uh, you know, experiences that were violent in their lives. Like their dad was, was violent to me. Uh, he was violent to, to my mum. So I know now as I'm older, why it had, why it was like that. You know, and I'm just glad that I managed to find the way out. But the interesting thing about me finding the way out of that is it's the fucking same as you. I, I literally became an ABA boxing coach. And that was kind of what transformed everything for me. To see the, the, the change in my mindset from doing something physical. And I'm actually writing a post about this now, about how our physical state, when we control that, it trickles down. You know, it does. I believe that when we look after our body and we, we look after our habits, our behaviors, it trickles down. It doesn't always, for me, I don't think it started with mindset. I had a yeah. shit mindset, but a great body. And I've had to develop my mindset over, over time. But it trickled down from having that sustainability with my phys- physical appearance and what I look like. So, dude, there's so many things that I could unpack about your story that just relate so heavily to mine. But what I'm interested in, in hearing is this point of your life where you, you started to do steroids quite a young age. Yeah. What was, what was the main driver behind getting onto gear? Cause I know for me, there were certain reasons, but what was the main, the main driver for you, man? Um, I think always feeling like the skinniest and obviously for the whole of school, it was like that. So when you had the opportunity to be the opposite of it and you see other guys in the gym that, you know, we're meatheads and like, people look at them and like, he's a fucking monster. You just, 
you just like, you know, you just want to be part of that. Well, at that age when, you know, you're young and naive and you haven't, like, I lost that drive for the boxing because of what happened. Like, that was it. I had no focus. So it, it literally started like that. It was in the change rooms. There was this guy in there, budgie guy, and he was like, you know, do you want some Diana Bowl? And like, here's a course and did 20 weeks and put on a stone. And then, yeah, it got to my head and it did get to my head and it fucked me up. Um, with doing coke at the weekends and everything else into the mix um becomes then, addic yeah. addictive doesn't it you know yeah you start the, turning seeing point, them. the turning point wasn't like i moved to london when i was 18 by myself um not to go to uni my car got raided uh, i was at a bunker party and we had like loads of methadrome it was class b drug in the glove compartment we got back to the car and we started we just it was about two in the morning hallucinating seats back I didn't think, you know, didn't think of the police or anything. It was kind of out the way. And then I had these torches in through the window. Fucking cars getting knocked on. I'm like, fuck, still tripping out. Couldn't even get up. Um, the engine was warm, but the keys weren't in the ignition. And it's the only reason I think it didn't get put inside, to be honest. Mm. Um, it searched the whole car, found the drugs, emptied my whole boot. At this time, I was moving home. I just had a fight with my brother. Um, so my boot was literally full of cardboard boxes and he got all my like valuables, like I'm talking like christening gifts and shit and just threw it around the car park. It was fucking mental. And then he was like, mm. I'm going to set the box around your house. And I was like, you can't do that. I don't live there anymore. My mum's there and you know, she will never forgive me. And they didn't, but it was scary. And I had like three police interviews after that, trying to get out whose stuff it was and obviously find out who was above me and who was dealing it. Um, as mm. they always do, didn't give any names and, when that was over and they couldn't get anything out of me, I was just like, fuck this and just moved to London. Um, started a new chapter out there. But to be honest, it got worse. Um, was out scrapping every week. There was one night where I went out and didn't have a scrap. I would just be in bars. Somebody would say something, turn around and just fucking knock him out. And that was it every week for a year. Um, and then got a phone call off a friend back here and he gave me the opportunity to come back and work in a gym and be like, um, a personal training manager, like a fitness manager. And I was like, sound. There was no guaranteed wage. It was 50-50 commission basis. I was like, I need to do something. I was coming home from work. I used to commute for about three hours a day, an hour and a half to work, an hour and a half back. Um, would fall asleep on the bus pretty much every time coming back from work in London. One time woke up in Essex, which was a two hour drive. <laughs> like that was literally my life. I was fucked, man. I'd get on it. Um, you know, live off Red Bull all day. I'd get like the Subway meal deal, and it was like that for a year. It was fucking. My health was in a very bad place. Mm. Um, lost a lot of weight, and um, I was like, yeah, I need to do something with my life. Like, even though I moved to London to kind of get away from here, it got worse. So I need to start a new chapter. I need to go back. Let's just give it a shot. Came back, did really well. Was probably making like four or five k when I was nineteen, just from PT. I was doing a stupid amount of hours, but I was doing well. Anyway, the drugs didn't stop. They carried on um, into a point where I ended up in intensive care. I had a fit in town. The first one lasted like eight minutes. Like if we didn't wake you up 30 seconds, like if you didn't come on that fit 30 seconds in, like you would have been dead, like that's it. I woke up in intensive care. My partner at the time, XX, was in a serious relationship, was at the end of the beds. And then my mum was there in tears and it was fucking mental. We just woke mm. up. We're still like hallucinating. I was still seeing triples of like nurses and that. And they were like, we had to restrain you last night. You were like, fucking, after you came on the fit, you were swiping everyone. And they literally like to tie me to the bed. It was mental. Mm. Uh, and that was the turning point. It was waking up in intensive care, seeing my mum 
in tears, my partner at the time, breaking down. And we're like, fuck, like, this needs to stop. Mm, they do say that we have to reach rock bottom before we climb to the top, mm. you know? And um, I just had shivers just send up my spine, man, because honestly, dude, our, our stories are just, mate, they're almost identical in the, in the not just in, in the events, but in the way that your story formed. Um, bro, it, it's fucking powerful because people would always look, when I started bodybuilding, I started to put on some slab. People used to assume before they knew my story, they used to assume that I'd just been like athletic all my life, you know, in good shape. I've been training a long time, you know, in the gym, banging weights. Like people just assumed those things before I actually was, before I actually shared my story. Um, was that the same for you? Did you get people kind of looking at what you looked like and the career that you did um, and just assume that you'd been like that all of your time or, or did, was there something different for you? Did people kind of know your backstory, know what you were about and kind of could draw that comparison? And if they could between like, oh, Cam's actually like this most of the time, but in, at work he's doing this and he's helping people here. Or what was it like for you? What was that kind of experience like? Yeah, I think people... Yeah, people people are quick to judge, man. Especially like where I live. I live in an island, Jersey, and I don't know if any of you know it, but it's a nine by five island. You're surrounded by water. You know, you walk two minutes and you're at the beach. It's very small. It's very claustrophobic, and people are quick to judge. Especially here, like when I was living in London, it was a lot more relaxed. Like you go out, you would see new people that you haven't seen before, and nobody really judged you. Um, the experience that you know, the time that they spent with you, that's what they judge you on, not what they've seen on Facebook or not the camu they seen when they walked into the gym, you know, and fucking had his top off or whatever. Like that's, that's kind of what I was judged back then. Um, yeah, but people didn't know how I felt inside. And to be honest, for a long time, I didn't know how I felt inside either. Like I went for a patch and I didn't know anything else. Like it was, you know, I was on from one course to another with the steroids. I'd go out the weekend, I was on coke and I was always under the influence of something. I didn't kind of know know why but that's how it works so the buzz and the, the cam that people got that that wasn't the real cam you know that was the cam when he was off his face on coke or mdma or he's on gear um, and that's who they got where now now like people know my backstory but i think that comes with the kids man it was like ever since i had kids i just felt i felt a lot more a lot more open to opening up to everyone else mm. and it changes shit man it changes yeah, shit i was that father figure now like mm. I want my kids to look up me and look at me as a role model. Um, and to be honest, I don't think I would have had the kids if I was still on the drugs because my, the mother to my kids never thought she could get pregnant. She was anorexic for four years, really fucked up her body. And like the kids came, both kids came unexpected. And it was when I was came, came off the gear that they came about nine months after that. And I think my body was that fucked at that time. Like if I was still on the gear, I never would have had the kids, man. So yeah, it was when the kids came along, I was able to open up um, and it was a complete different me to the PT that started in the industry when I was 18. You know, the guy that was on the gear and would tell people to eat fucking um, chicken and broccoli out of the top of <laughs> That was it, man. Like that was the cam back then. And like now, like how I've changed personally, but educating myself for people to get that balance in life and like fitness, like coming to the gym, coming to this place isn't about looking great. Yeah, initially that may be their goal. They're like, I want to drink because I want to, I, I hate the way I look. 
Um, you know, I want to lose a few percent body fat. I want to lose a stone. They're the goals when they get in, but the people that have been here for like two years, it's, it's the community. It's like coming here because it's people's safe place. They're able to open up. They're able to share their story and their problems with other members who aren't going to judge them, you know, and away from here, like people are very quick to judge. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I know. I mean, I'm interested to know, mate. Um, I think that when you, when you're kind of, cause I can see from just from following you and kind of watching your story and, and, and hearing more about you now, you funnel your focus into something you get extremely great results you and the same thing happened with me if i funneled my focus into like my status as 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 for popularity as a drug dealer then i'd get great results you know more people would come and buy off me and more people would be doing my drugs and i would be doing more drugs because that's where i'm funneling my attention and my focus and my time and my energy so what because normally what happens is this is what's so kind of different about your story normally when you funnel it into like one thing for example boxing or fitness or whatever to whatever extreme you want to go but when you do that normally it, it kind of develops other things as well you know like we said at the beginning of this podcast it trickles down it goes from controlling the physical state and then just as a as a as, as a byproduct of doing that it trickles down so like your mindset and then your business and yada 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 but for you it wasn't necessarily like that it it was kind of like you were burning the candle at both ends because you were kind of going hard over here with your with your training with your gym like focused over here but then at the same time you were still partying and, and focusing attention here yeah that, that shit must have been fucking hard man and super taxing on your body man super taxing yeah it was and like I look back and I'm like, how the fuck did I survive that patch? Like mm. physically, like how didn't that stuff kill me? Mm. And I think, you know, I'm really, really lucky to still be here and, you know, be on this podcast and tell the story. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was taxing. Like I'd wake up, like when I was on gear before the show, I competed when I was 19. I'd wake up with heart palpitations at like two in the morning. Man. Like I literally feel like I was having a heart attack in, in bed. And this was with the mother to my kids um, towards when I was coming off it before I came off it a few months before. And that's, then I'd go back to sleep, try and go back to sleep. I would then wake up at half four to do fucking fasted cardio and get on a bike and cycle 30 K. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's crazy. And then I had to be with clients at 6 AM to 9 PM every day. And then go and do my weight session at 9 PM. Lost my life. Firstly, can I just say, can't knock this motherfucker for the dedication. (laughs) (laughs) I had that fit, that fit in town that was saying I end up in intensive care. They then, because my fit lasted that long, they they treated it as like an epileptic episode. So I lost my license straight away for a year. So on the time that I was doing my comp prep, I couldn't even drive, man. So I was like, I finished my weight session at 10 in the evening. Then I have to cycle back to the house which was in the fucking winter, mate. It was like, <laughs> and I was fucking up a hill and it was like fucking hailing. And like the hill was like, you know, it's fucking straight up and I get to the top, my quads are burning. <laughs> get in, have my chicken, botley rice, go to bed. And like, that was, I'd probably sleep for about four hours. Mm. And I surprised the amount of muscle that actually grew, like, cause sleep's obviously key. Like if I could go back and didn't have the working days and the stress that I put on my body, like the difference in my shape now, you know, reflecting looking back on it it was like 
how the fuck did I even get in that shape with, I slept for like four hours a night, man. Wow. But that was it. And yeah, it was massively taxing on my body. Mm. Well, this idea of funneling focus and attention, I want to carry on with that because that obviously is transformed now into into how you operate as an entrepreneur right you've obviously carried that trait over so like did you expect that obviously your different businesses that you have are at different um stages you've been in different times etc but when did you expect your business to any of your businesses to do as well as they have or did did i fuck mate i literally went in from doing my own thing. Like it was just like, I'm going to do this solo. Went from doing a commission thing. And I was like, people are coming to see me. Like I'm signing, I'm signing clients up for other coaches because I'm so fucking on it on the Instagram on the Facebook and quite savage at the time, the results and showcasing, you know, people's transformations. Like they came in the door where I was working to see me. And after two years of doing that, I was like, I'm getting fuck all from what I'm actually doing. They were taking 50% of my wage. So at the time I was making four and a half K after 50%, I would have made nine K a month at the age of 19. I literally used to see 24 clients a day, 30 minute sessions, paying 30 pounds for 30 minutes times that by 24. It's pretty crazy money at the age of 19. That's why I was doing six days a week. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do it solo. And that's how I started. Um, and mate, the start of the business, like I literally had a logo, and it was a guy doing a double bicep curl, physique transformation. That was the classic logo. Before it was transformed together, transformed together fitness. It was physique transformations. It was, I'd, I was in comp prep, week two of comp prep, when I started up physique, and it was a double bicep logo. And like our clientele back then, like people would come and they pay good money, but it was like people that would want to be on stage. Mate, I would never train somebody for a comp ever again. Like we train busy mums and busy dads now, man. Like, and that's kind of where I'm at in my life and how it's changed and how the business has transformed. But even back then, like I asked a business partner, Tom, who's my business partner now, um, really, really good boxer. So with a white collar, um, it's great me and being business in him because he's the island captain. He's had about 60 amateur fights. Um, and yeah, he came along my side. I was just like, why are you still working for the guys that I work for? Because he took my position in the previous job. Three months later, he was like, I don't know, but it's risky if I go with you. What if I don't make the same money? I've got a family to provide for because he's got two kids as well. And I was like, mate, like, this is my bank statement. I make it. I was open with him, you know, always transparent, always have been. I was like, this is what I'm making a month. You're making that and you're, you know, you're fucking, you're like a dog on a chain. Like, that's it. That's what you're doing for, for peanuts. Like, when do you spend time with your family? When do you spend time with your missus and your kids? And I know I made some mistakes and I say that and I lost my missus for similar reasons. But back then we were working 13, 14 hour days, six days a week. He doesn't do that now. He probably coaches 20 hours a week now mm-hmm. and making the same money as he can, but scaling a business at the same time. Like if we look at where we'll be in a year from now, two years from now, like it's going to be pretty crazy, like the business plan and you know, the projections that we've got in place. But back then, mate, like, I wouldn't be able to develop a team, man. Like, he came alongside me, but we were both still soul trading. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of like we were representing for a brand. It wasn't a business. We were both doing our thing, showcasing the results on the same platform. But it was a fucking mess, mate. Like, we used to take cash payments. I haven't taken a cash payment apart from ticket sales for the white collar 
for maybe three years now. Mm. Classic, <laughs> like entre- every- classic entrepreneur journey, really, because you, you yeah. learn on the job. It's an, OT- it's an OTG, isn't it? Like you just learn yeah. on the job. <laughs> I think like if I got my house raided back when I was 20, I wasn't a drug dealer, like similar to your story. Yeah, I, I probably had 20 grand like rolled up under my bed. <laughs> Yeah, that was from like six months of work like just rolled there like that was it i take so much cash and it was just like i just put it there you know for a rainy day or we booked a highlight we booked a holiday to thailand which was like 5k and it was just cash it was that was it and it was all legit but it was nothing in the books you know um and that was that was what business looked like five years ago before the kids came along and before we started to develop a team um, and now we've got somebody that takes care of the finance. We've got a membership service manager that does, she's like a PA, but she does all the back end, the booking system, um, signing clients up from trials to reoccurring members. That's what she does. Mm. And then we've got two full-time coaches and two part-time that will be full-time in the next three months. And myself and Tom, he's more on the gym floor doing the staff um, development where I'm more back end. I like Facebook ads. I like you know, meeting people if they're struggling and kind of doing consultations with people. I like all that back end stuff, corporates, mm. public mm. speaking, go in with the in-body machine and, you know, speak to 30 people and get them in the door that way. Yeah. I love the business side of things where he's not like that. He's more on the gym floor, loves coaching, great Likes coach. the training side. Unbelievable yeah. boxer. So that's, you know, that's kind of our, our roles in the business. We do mm. both do things and we're both good at different things makes and absolute sense man just delegating that's why it scales yeah and that's why yeah. it scales because you like imagine if i was doing the same stuff as he did in the gym floor like the other stuff wouldn't get done so the business wouldn't scale it just you do it all right you'd get by but i don't want to get by i've got a family to provide for man like i want to do great things and let them see the world um but five years ago like if I was in that position that I was in compared to where I am today, none of that would have happened, man. Mm, it, was, yeah. it wasn't a business, man. I was my own boss. So that was it. It wasn't a business. I didn't have a business back then. That's, that's two things to bring up there. The first one is me and Matt, were, we had that conversation in the beginning days of the Fit Story company. We were doing the same things, you know? For example, we were both doing the sales. We were both doing editing on the podcast. We were both doing creating Google Docs and whatever else that entails of growing a business. And it had to get to a point where we were like, we need to, right now, split these tasks. I do A, you do B. Then we bring on a, a member to do C, you know, And for example. Um, and that is definitely the best way to scale and to give yourself time to think and, and do other, um, other tasks. The question I have for you, Cam, is that from where you were, for example, five years ago, um, and even much earlier on that, in your days of doing drugs, in your day of waking up in the hospital bed, that old version of you back then, if you heard a story like the one that you're sharing today, do you think that would change your narrative or do you think it would have been like, I don't give a shit? No, it definitely would have made me think, man. And I think like back then, like a lot of, especially guys are speaking up now, like myself, like you guys, like, you know, the other guests that you get on the podcast, they're speaking out about mental health and their struggles and the demons that they've been fighting for years. It's taken a lot of time for people to get to be able to do that like five years ago very few guys spoke up um so i think yeah that would have been powerful back then in my life and it's when i needed it and like i've seen a counselor this year multiple counselors and um psychotherapists and stuff and they've really helped but 
back then where I was like nobody shared their story so it was like fine like everyone was doing gear like just get on gear like it's fine everyone's doing it everyone's a meatheads like everyone go out the weekend be off their bonnet for three days going to work I'd probably coach clients back then like I'm transparent like I probably close um coach clients and I, I remember like, I took a group session and I was still fucking tripping like I'd gone from a festival slept in my car for two hours gone in Training 30 people, mate. And like, I was looking at clients and there was three of them. <laughs> Jim's <laughs> busy it. today. Why is Jim so busy <laughs> today? <laughs> and, like, the session was just going on for ages. And I was like, what the fuck? Um, but that's what life was like. And nobody shared their stories. And yeah, I probably wouldn't have made the mistakes. And yes, I've learned a lot of lessons, but I've also made a lot of mistakes. And if I had somebody back then, like, a role model, somebody that shared their story, somebody that I could relate to, then I think things would, would have changed a lot quicker. Mm, you know, I think so too, man. Definitely. Um, What's cool is obviously you've kind of, you have used storytelling in your business as well. You've kind of been, like you said, you've been sharing your story more, more recently. Um, do you think that sharing your story has helped with the growth of your brand and your businesses? 100%. I had a guy in here, Literally, we started this podcast at what, 10? He was in with me at nine for his induction session. Um, and he was like, fucking hell, mate. I cried when I read your story yesterday. And he's, this is a new member, yeah? He's, he hasn't even got me on. He's seen my Facebook post from somebody sharing it or commenting on it who was a mutual friend. And that's, you know, the how powerful social media can actually be. Mm. Um, and he came in, he was like, like, this year's been rough for me. I've lost my partner. Um, she's gone off with another guy, like... We've got a kid that's two years old and I've put on like two stone. I'm just feeling really depressed. I have like five fucking hazelnut lattes a day, one just before bed. And like, you know, I've put on this two stone in the last three months. Like I need to change my life around. But he opened up to me and he's only just met me. And yeah. if I didn't share my story and didn't post that thing yesterday, I didn't think, I don't think he would have said half the amount of things that he did to me there today in that session. And that's like day one of walking through the gym. Like that guy is going to be with us for a very long time. A hundred percent. Yeah. And this is the thing we always talk about this. We say that when we share our story, it gives permission to others to do the same. And it really does. It like allows when we're open up, like people see vulnerability as a weakness. And we talk with our clients about vulnerability being a superpower, you know, being able to open up and embrace and master your vulnerability can bring you it, so many different rewards, you know, in, in the respect of both your personal and your business development, you know, personally, you opening yourself up and owning your story and being able to share vulnerably means that you get this internal upgrade. You know, you, you realize that you, you're not the villain of your story and that, you know, you can change things and you can write your story the way you want. And from a business perspective, like we said, like Cam's just said, opening up on that post meant that this person felt connected and, and, and a bond that's now, there it's developed you've developed no like and trust extremely quickly rapidly yeah. in fact so man a hundred percent and thanks for kind of validating that because you know we've been doing this a while now we know how powerful storytelling is and when it's validated by other people that are doing the same thing and sharing their story and seeing the results as well firsthand um for anyone listening that is still in that space where they're just unsure as to whether or not to share their story or how vulnerable to get hopefully that can be the thing that gives them a kick up the ass and get them to do it because it's powerful, you know? Fuck yeah. And you, I think like on that point, you're always going to get those people that are quick to judge you. And they're like, 
back then when I started sharing my story and opened up about steroids and, you know, being on them for like, I think five years on and off, people were like, Oh, so you've been training clients and you've been on gear. Like, that's not right. I'm not going to train with you. And you're always going to get people that, you know, they, they perceive people as being bad because they made wrong choices. You always get that. You always get a handful of people. But like, I looked at them people and I'm like, that they've never paid me any money. Like they've never trained with me. They don't know who I am personally. They've just seen a post, seen steroids and been like, fuck that. Like he can't be in the industry. Like he's an embarrassment. And I was meant to go in, um, I was meant to be part of a personal training course over here in terms of the education process. And one of, this is the true thing. One of the people that was at the course was an ex-police officer. She kicked off a fuss because I was meant to be going in to speak and I'd been on gear. So she didn't want me there and she was going to drop out of the course if I turned up. An ex-police officer. That's how I was judged. You know what's interesting about it, man, is, um, is that people's bias against things like steroids and other stuff, like, it could be anything, it could be a car, it could be could be certain type of food like people's bias is against that thing is all based on their fucking story uh, it's interesting about steroids is is that most people that have like a negative bias against steroids haven't actually had any personal experience with steroids or with people that have taken steroids so these stories that they've created in their mind you know steroids are bad and steroids will kill you and steroids are this and it's it it's based on the story that that they've lived or they've told themselves or that they have actually been told, which is crazy to me because, you know, I've, I've taken steroids. Do I demonize them? Do I do them now? No. Do I demonize them? No. You know, I, cause I've had, exper- I've had personal experience with them before I took steroids. Did I have a, a bias against them? Yeah. Because I've been told this story that steroids were, would, would, would give you gyno and steroids would make you violent and steroids were going to make me, you know, attack people for, for no fucking reason whatsoever. And that's the story that people were telling me. I was told a story that formed a story in my mind and a belief about something that I had no fucking experience with since doing them and I like overcoming that my, my brother was the person that introduced me to them from doing them and have an experience like one-to-one with, with being on steroids. I can tell you that none of what any of those people said was actually fucking true. I didn't start attacking people randomly. I didn't have a temper. I wasn't violent to people. Like none of that stuff actually happened. And it's just the same. This is why storytelling is so important. All of that stuff happened to me, by the way. And that's that. the thing. That's the thing, isn't it? It's like, it's, 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 it's not, that's why the bias thing doesn't really make sense because it's different for everyone. Like everyone is going to have a different reaction to something. Like I said, even with, you know, there's people that have a bias against people, you know, vegans, for example, like, you know, and there's this bias against meat eaters, you know, they're like, no, meat is bad for you. But then there's tons of people that live healthy and happy and for long periods of time that eat meat every day. So there's always going to be that thing. And that's the, that's the power behind storytelling is that you're giving an account of your experience and whether or not that's going to be relative to someone else is, is not up to you then. That, that is whether or not they believe the lie that you've told or the story that you've told. Because it's, it's not truth and it's not lie. It's whatever the person decides that it is. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just an interesting thing, man. Again, multiple reasons why I fucking love storytelling, but it's just so deep, man. We can get real deep into it. But bro... Um, what we're kind of going to wrap this up shortly, but there's a couple questions that I really have just 
just been itching to to get them out. And the first one is really about, you know, like the stories. And we'll keep it on the subject of storytelling, but you know, stories are what we speak into existence and what we believe and what we live out, like what we actually do on a daily basis. And it all goes into the story that we're living like today, right now. And equally, if we, if we're speaking a story into existence, we're believing that story and we're acting it out. It can be the, the, the reality that we live is the story that we're telling ourselves in, in essence. So, I'm interested to know what, what the story right now that Cam is telling himself about his life and his business and his growth for 2020. Like, what's the story that you're telling yourself? Because I know the answer to this question would be quite deep based off the back of the post that you just done. So if you want to kind of give people some context, talk about the post that you just released and then talk about kind of the, the space that you're in right now with the story that you're telling yourself about the growth of where you're going next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so talk a little bit about the post first, yeah? Yeah. So this year, for, for those of you that don't know me and haven't read the story like uh, Matt and Perry, um, it's been a roller coaster to say the least. Uh, a few moments that have kind of stood out. I think the start of the year I was, I lived with this guy, I was broke up with my partner last year, then we got back together. But in that time between this friend that had been in my life for five years, somebody I called my best mate, Took me on his door, he was like, I've got a spare room, stay in there. You know, it's cool. I don't want anything out of it. It's a spare room anyway. Nobody stays there. I was like, this guy's fucking sound. You know, he's been my mate for five years. I trust him. Opened up to him, probably told him more than anyone, anyone in this world knows. Um, even my mum, my dad, like, I've told him more than when they're known than them. Um, anyway, ended up getting robbed by this guy this year. Like he literally took everything that was in my bank account, robbed me, took a secure key, found out my fucking pin, robbed me, fled the island. Along with me, he owed somebody like millions, like Ford Kasich, went on for like nine years. He's still on the run, yeah, there's like three teams looking for him now. Anyway, left me with some serious trust issues. And then it went from, from that to living in like five different houses this year, man. Like my, my car has literally been my wardrobe for 12 months. I'm not taking a piss. You go in my back in my boot now and it's just full of bin bags with clothes and stuff. Um, I've had no stability there. Then prioritized it. I opened up a gym like uh, Matt was saying before. We've got a 6,000 square foot facility here. Put all my focus into that. Didn't give the mother of my kids the time and attention that she deserved. Then was wondering when I got home at night why you know, stuff wasn't happening in the bedroom. Like she didn't get any of my attention, man. Like I didn't deserve stuff like that as much as I wanted it. Um, and you know, the end of a stressful day, entire day, that's a release that you want. But why I was expecting her to give me stuff when she wasn't getting anything in return, but didn't had, you know, I didn't see that at the time because I was so busy. I was like, I've had a stressful day. Like it's got to happen. And she was like, you yeah. haven't seen you haven't seen me all week. Yeah, you don't you don't see it though, do you? At the no, time, you right? don't see it at the time. Like you've just got this. Like, I've always had like this mad. You know, my test level has been quite high. Mad sex drive me. Like, look, you just want it all the time. But <laughs> the woman to your kids, the person that you're, you know, she's she's not that one night stand. Like you need to make love to these people, and just didn't do it. So that happened. We broke up again. Literally week one of the gym opened, and we parted ways again. Was then in another gaff. Like it was fucking mental so this year multiple times you know just thought about 
ending it all, being like thinking about every possible way of doing it. Every time I've got um, my kids as my screensaver on my phone, screensaver on my laptop, everywhere I look, I just put something there to remind me of them. Those tough times and look at my kids and like, they're my purpose. You know, they're, they're my focus. Um, and they've kept me going this year, man. Like without them, I definitely wouldn't be on this podcast today. 100%. Like they have kept me here. Um, so going into next year, like I don't think I could have hit a lower place than I've been this year, like rock bottom. Like you were saying before, you need to hit rock bottom to be able to do great things. And like, I've definitely done that this year of hit rock bottom. Um, even a few days ago, like I was in my car and just couldn't stop crying, like just bawling my eyes out, um, having arguments, things get heated with your ex. Obviously you've got kids involved, you've got to keep it civil, but it's hard, man. Like when you, when you still love the person, your kids that much and you have to see her to pick up the kids and stuff, it's fucking hard, hard mm. for me to control it. And mm. think like, we're not where we used to be. Like things are like this now and then you can't, you know, give her a hug and a kiss. Like it's fucking mm. Dude, hard. I- I cried every fucking day, man, for like almost four months. I cried every day, every day. And then, but what's weird is similar to you. I I had, I was doing direct sales at the time. I had this really rare ability and I assume it was probably the same for you. I could be crying my eyes out in the car thinking about all this fucking terrible stuff. Like, why did you do that, Matt? You took her for advantage. You took advantage of her. You did, you know, you didn't respect her. You didn't love her enough. Like, oh, I had all this shit going on in my mind, crying my eyes out. You're the reason why this breakups happened, blah, 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 blah. And then I would be able to just like, boom, focus myself, walk up to a door, shake the person's hand as if nothing had happened and close a fucking four or 5,000 pound deal. I just had this really rare ability to be able to go from crying my eyes out and feeling like shit and feeling like legitimately there was times where I wanted to drive my car off the road because I just felt like it was all me. It was my fault and I was guilty of it that that the breakup had happened. So bro, I fucking feel you, man. And I assume you probably had guilt too, like a, a high deep mate. That is probably, we've spoken about this on another podcast. That is probably the most toxic and most awful fucking thing to have to hold on to is guilt and i think the hard the hardest thing was before christmas like she moved into a new flat with the kids not me um just before christmas time and like having to move the kids from where you were living you were living in like i was living in a really nice house with the kids and then moving them there at that time of year when obviously emotions are heightened and christmas is the time that you're with your family and your loved ones you know it's like moving them there without me um, and helping her do the house movements. Like, it was just fucking so hard, man. I was like, this has happened. And like you're saying, that guilt trip, this has happened because of my decisions, because where my priorities lied with the gym and the business, and you know, making it work. But at the same time, like, I forgot about, forgot about her. Like, it's really hard mm. for me to say that, but I did. Mm. And now they're in a flat together with her and I'm fucking sofa surfing still um that that was really hard let me ask you man what would you because i I know now based on my story and where i've come from and what what i went through and i know i've said to perry about this before but i don't i i let go of the guilt it was about four or five months in i i just I, i went through some deep work and i just let go of it you know i realized that you know yes it was essentially a lot of it was my fault but I wasn't completely to blame. And then I realized that no one was to blame. That's just 
life has just happened for me. It's just, you know, I, there was things that I did. There was things that she did. There was things that happened, but ultimately it changes nothing about what we do now and today right now. So I'm just super fucking curious. Do you, what would you have done differently if anything? And if there's nothing that you would have done differently, um, actually first we'll unpack that. Like, is there anything that you feel now on reflection that you should, that you would have done differently? Yeah. Just, um, not giving my time to the people that didn't need it or could have waited and booked out like times in a week where she wasn't working and it was just for her and me. I didn't do that. Man. I was so, I've always been so business driven. And I think like that inferior childhood and the upbringing and my, my parents still work nine to five jobs. They're still basic wage, but there's no, there's never been any role models. I've done it myself. Um, I need to do it. Like it's always been business. I mean, like if there's a sale opportunity there, it's just jump on it. But actually like she deserves your hour now. Like that can fucking wait till tomorrow. And mm. I look back and that's what I would have done differently. Put the mm. kids to bed on certain nights and taken nights off. But I didn't do that because it was just business, 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 money, money, money. And that's where my head was. Bro, I fucking feel you, man. Yeah. Like, this, this episode has been hard for me to uh, even be involved in, mate, because a lot of what you're saying is just ringing so true. You know, like I, I, did, I did the same thing, mate. You know, like there, there was days where my partner's off every we're back together now by the way if anyone's listening just wondering but we're back together but there were days where she's off on a thursday and she's off on a monday and those days though they would have been that is all she would have even asked for it's just a couple of hours like that's all she probably that's all she actually wanted was just like a couple of hours uninterrupted with me but my mind similar to you i grew up with being in poverty most of my life you know, unless, right. until I started drug dealing where I made loads of money. And that's where the entrepreneurial thing happened for me, I think, on reflection. Because that, that, that's all I ever saw was like struggling at Christmas, struggling at anything. You couldn't go out for lunches, couldn't go out for, you know, couldn't do anything. I, yeah. I have this really fucking deep desire burning inside of me to, to, to create a life for my daughter now that she doesn't have to experience any of that. Like, I don't even want her to fucking know that that, well, obviously I want her to know it exists because I want her to have perspective, but I don't want her to actually experience it. You know what I'm saying? And I have this deep burning desire to grow my business and to grow what we're doing with the Fit Story Company and to develop as hard as I possibly can. But what continually keeps happening, and, I, and this is something I battled with this year with my partner, is, and I don't know if this was the same for you, but it'd be interesting to know, we spoke earlier about, about identities and how our identities shift. And when, we, when we're in a relationship and one person is super fucking focused on business development, personal development, that means that you are going to grow. You're going to grow in this direction. You're going to start developing and growing. People who don't do that, who aren't an entrepreneur, who don't understand business to the level we do, who don't graft it out and have that passion inside to develop and grow personally, business development, spiritual, et cetera, they stay here. They, they, they're, not, they're not growing in the same direction as us. Yeah. What happens is we, we, we got together here. And this is probably the same for you and your missus. We got there here. This is where we both were. We, we both in jobs, we both quite fixed mindset. Then I started to do bodybuilding and I started to grow off this direction. 
she couldn't understand why I was prepping meals at 11 o'clock at night and getting to the gym at 4.30 in the morning to do fasting cuts. She didn't understand that. She had no idea why the fuck I was doing that. All she saw was, you're not at home. You're not putting Millie to bed. You're not doing this. You're not spending time with me. So what happened is, the more that I grew down that direction, I, I started to change my physical state. Then at the end of the bodybuilding show, I realized that I was capable of anything. And I started to then go heavy into mindset and personal development, which actually just done this even more. And it just created more of a fucking distance between where she is and where I was going. And I think that's one of the biggest problems for people in relationships, in entrepreneurship, is that if your partner isn't inclined in the same way, you know, they don't want to develop in the same way. And that's okay. We can't force it on them. My missus would never want to be an entrepreneur. And I can't force that on her, that life on her and, and get her to mold to that. But equally, she can't do the same to me. Yeah. She can't stop me from growing in the direction I want. So just hearing me talk about that, was that the same kind of experience that you had? Yeah, man. Like when we got together, she moved back to London. Um, it was mad because we were best mates moving up. We live uh, growing up. We lived in London when I moved to London at 18, together as best friends because she was the sister to my best mate. <laughs> and then she came back. She was like, "Oh, let's just go for food." And then like it was just there's a spark out of nowhere, and it was fucking weird because we knew so much about each other. But when she moved back here, she's she's her own boss, by the way. She is an entrepreneur. I wouldn't say she's got the same drive as me, but she's got a dance school and she's doing her own thing. Like she is her own boss. Um, but she has a lot of limiting beliefs from other things that's happened in her life and her childhood, which we can say for another day. Um, but we were PTing together, like as well as her doing part-time dance teaching, she worked for somebody else when she came back, she got that opportunity, moved back for it. Um, I was like, well, you've got 20 hours a week, just PT with me and I'll get your clients and got on her PT course. And that was a life we lived together, you know, it's mm -hmm. like we're at work then we go home same time enjoy their dinner together or whatever it was, go out at the weekends. Like that's how life was. We, we were doing the same thing. We were on the same journey. And then when she had kids, I had to work more than ever before to provide for, for a family. Now she had more time at home. Mm. And yeah, like you were saying, I started to grow and we just drifted. Man. We just mm. drifted. And that gap she gets work, bigger. She was, she was dance teaching. She then went by herself our hours were completely different. Like that time that we had before, you know, in our honeymoon period, and we still would have had that now, but life happened and threw a lot of shit at us that we had to deal with. And that's, you know, we did part ways. And mm. like I said, I've got a lot of regret and I've got a lot of guilt, but yeah, 100%, man, like that was life. It happened. Yeah. The, be the best thing is just removing the guilt, man. At the end of the day, it, like, dude, these, the, these things happen. And like Tony Robbins says, life happens for us, not to us. And I, and over the years, I have come to really believe that. I used to think it was like just some funny way of saying things, you know, sounded cool or whatever. Yeah. But the truth is, is that it fucking really does. Life happens to us. Uh, sorry, for us, not to us. It, it, every There's always a lesson. There's always something that we can learn or take from the experience that does actually help us grow even further and, and it's all supposed to go that way um guilt is the number one fuck man jesus christ those four months i lived with that shit that was the number one thing that was 
just it was horrible to live with. Guilt, guilt, guilt is a killer. I remember <clears throat> with um, with my ex, we were together for six years, and before Cam, similar to you, before we started dating, we were best friends. We met in we met in college. I was this person, she was this person. Six years later, she was still kind of the same person that we got together with, but I obviously was not the same. I was completely different. And then um, I went to New York for an event and I came back and then she broke up with me. And we're still living together. We had to stay living together for another eight months in the same house. And it, um, it was an interesting experience. And I, I, sorry, there's dogs barking next door. I don't know if you can hear that. Um, I can't really tell them to shut the fuck up because... <laughs> <laughs> um, and it got to a stage, right, where I had a lot of guilt and I didn't know, I thought, oh, she just fallen out of love with me. And I was like, people don't just fall out of love. There are things that happen over a certain period of time that lead to that. And I realized that I never gave, her name was Abby, I never gave Abby the time of day, right? I was always at business. And then when I came back, our sex life wasn't happening, right? Because none of us wanted to do it. Um, and we ended up breaking up. And now I'm with a new partner, but it's interesting the amount of experiences and lessons that I have learned from my previous relationship that I'm now bringing forth into this new relationship is fucking insane. Mm. Like, for example, um, today, we are going to be planning January into Google Calendar and blocking out times that are non-negotiable that we're going to be spending together, whether it's a date night or whether it's an activity on a weekend, for example. Things that I know are paramount to relationship growing and sustaining. This is powerful, man, because th th this, is, this, is, this is exactly what we were just talking about, right? It, it's like you've now learned things that you can carry on into the next chapter of your life, man. So, dude, I know we've got to wrap this up. I know I'm conscious of your time. I know you're a busy dude with the gym and, and everything that you've got going on. But, um, mate, I want to say first and foremost, just thank you so much, man, for turning up and for just delivering your story in the way that you did, opening up and being vulnerable, man. That, that, that means fucking everything to us as storytellers and, and as you know own, owners of this podcast because this is really why we do what we do it's, it's to uh, give people this space to be able to share their story and and um we know that this goes on to help so many people cam so thank you very much first and foremost mate welcome both. as long as it does you know people can relate to it like I don't mind giving anyone the time of day if it can help them where they are and they can meet me where I am right now and they just take one thing for it that makes a difference and you know changes something in their life, then you know, I'm fucking grateful for that. It means something, man. So last couple of things, two questions. One, where can people find you? And two, what's the second question? Do I have a second question? Where can people find you? All right, cool. So I've got um, Instagram's probably the personal one. So that's Cameron Elliot. Uh, no, sorry, fucking, it's not. I've changed your name about three times. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cam the, Cam the Dadpreneur. I shouldn't have forgot that one. Cam the Dadpreneur. We'll, 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 we'll make sure we pop it in the show notes as well. Um, on, cool. And then the gym's ttfitness.je um, on the Instagram, on Facebook, Transform Together fitness um and then we've got transformed together promotions which is like a white collar business so if anyone wants to come to jersey to see some amazing shows that happens three times a year um, we raise loads of money for charity and get 24 people in the ring that have never fought before and 
we get them to a good standard as well because you know me and Tom have got that boxing background. So not mm. going in and fucking throwing haymakers, we teach them how to box. <laughs> then uh, you've got that as well. And Makes then, better M- entertainment when they know how to actually <laughs> fucking box. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then MB, MBT, um, MBT Retreats as well is on the Instagram and the Facebook. Like I said, they've been put on the back burner, but this year we're hopefully putting two retreat dates in there. So if Amazing. anyone wants that, you know, that week escape to paradise, be surrounded by like-minded people, train with some top coaches and just fucking escape the everyday hustle and bustle, then, you know, I'm more than happy to greet, greet any of the listeners on the get, as guests as well, man. So yeah. Amazing. Love channel. that, dude. And last, there was a second question. What's, what's next for Cam? Like, what, what, if you could just briefly run us through what, what, what happens next for you, man? <laughs> As we are ending the decade as well, yeah. so it'd be interesting. Yeah, cool. So we want to get like a separate location just to do the fight camps. Um, and then, yeah, this will just be more S&C, more pods, semi-private um, personal training, which is like a four-to-one model, and just blow it up over here. And then ideally within two years, open a facility in Guernsey and just have the Channel Islands done. That's is, awesome. That's yeah, the that's exciting. Dominate, bro. Dominate. I love it, man. <laughs> it's been epic, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, guys, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you want to go link up with Cam, we will leave links in the show notes, I'm sure, so that you guys yeah. can do that. And uh, if you relate to his story, you know, like we say every single time, if you can relate to, to parts of the story, I know I can. Our fucking stories are practically identical. Um, so if you can relate to it, you know, leave a rating, leave an honest review about what you took from the podcast. Those things do go a very, very long way. Cam, again, thank you so much for joining us as a guest, bro. It's been a fucking pleasure, man. You're welcome, Jeff. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Not a problem. Thank you for listening. We do appreciate you. And look, slightly different way to end the show. If you have been affected by anything mentioned in this episode or know anyone that is suffering, remember, it's okay to not be okay. Reach out to someone, ask for help, and even share this episode with your network. You never know who will be able to relate to it. And it may even save a life. Thank you.